Hey everybody, welcome to the latest installment of the Climbing Advocate Podcast, episode number 48. A conversation with Rod Kashef and Adam Brummett of the Iowa Climbers Coalition. You know, before I talk with each guest, I spend a bit of time scouring the depths of the internet to learn some more about them. And when doing so for these guys, I came across a testimonial of sorts from one of Access Fund's conservation teams, Lauren and Kyle, from when they worked with the Iowa Climbers Coalition on a major trail project last year. And I quickly picked up on how it was such an exceptional experience for them working with these Iowa climbers. The community may be small, but it's mighty. This is a quote taken from the article I found. And I quote, After working with the Iowa Climbers Coalition and the volunteers that they rallied to work in pictured rocks, we definitely have a new contender for our favorite place to work. End quote. That's really saying something from this trail building duo that gets to travel to some of the most famous crags in the country. Anyway, my point of this story is that it didn't take long for me to pick up on why they think that. It was obvious from the very start that Rod and Adam love Iowa and love climbing there. While getting a schooling on Rod's history, he said that he moved to Colorado for a time and eventually made his way back to his home state of Iowa because of the people, the climbing, and what he could give back. We took some time to explore the history of the Iowa Climbers Coalition, which dates all the way back to the early 90s. Who knew? We spent the majority of our time, though, unpacking the monster trail project that they had completed last year at Pictured Rocks County Park, arguably the premier climbing destination in Iowa. They walked me through their process of getting the project going, getting support from land managers, and getting a whole host of volunteers out there to help. A ton of rock work was involved in this one, and it turned out beautifully. There's a video of Rod on the Iowa Climbers Coalition Instagram page walking alongside a bunch of the rock that was used in the construction. It was literally tons of rock. It's pretty impressive. When it comes down to it, Rod and Adam agree that so much of their success comes down to community support. Yes, funding for projects of course helps, money always helps, but without support for a project, you're pretty much dead in the water. So I hope you all enjoy this episode hearing from a couple of Midwesterners just like myself share their unwavering passion for Iowa climbing. Enjoy. Before we get into the episode, I want to give thanks and show some love for the supporters and sponsors of the show. Black Diamond, Adidas Turex, Gnarly Nutrition, Mammut, Alpine Start Coffee, and Plutone Audio. Thank you all for the continued support of the Climbing Advocate podcast and dedication to our climbing community. Well, let's uh, yeah, let's 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 put a pin in that for now. I love to chat some more, but let's get get into the Iowa Climbers Coalition a bit, and right I want to start with you, Rod. Um, I believe you're the president of the organization, and I'd love to hear more about your role, position with the organization, and where you're based out of, where you're from, and just yeah, kind of your climbing story a little bit. Kick things off here. I guess I'll start with how I got into climbing, and then I'll kind of go into how I got into the role. Um. So I'm, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Iowa. I'm from Cedar Falls, Iowa originally. And then I moved to Iowa city, um, to go to school at the university of Iowa. Oh yeah. And yeah. Do you know anything about the university of Iowa? I've spent a lot of time in Iowa city. Oh really? Wait, you're kidding me. 
Yeah, I, I'm, from, I'm from the Chicago area, so I had a, I had a lot of friends that uh, went to the University of Iowa. And, oh, yeah, so cool. what, what, what time period? This was probably 2008, 2009, okay. something okay. like so that. Do you, do you know any climbers from the from the from here I at don't. the time? No, nope, you guys okay. are the first climbers I've met from Iowa. But uh, okay, okay, oh, okay, okay, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I, knew, I knew a bunch of the climbers that were big in the university around that 2009 time period. Okay. Um, but I wasn't sure if you knew any of them, but maybe not. That was like when I was just getting into climbing, even like pre-climbing days, 2009. Like 2010 is like when I really started climbing. Um, okay. But yeah, anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off, but love Iowa no, City. No, no, no. I mean, anyone that knows anything there. about Iowa City, yeah, you're yeah. pretty psyched. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right on. Um, so yeah, I um, uh, had a background in... Um, soccer and dance and i i played soccer competitively and i was kind of um done playing soccer competitively but i was looking for for a way to stay fit um so the the climbing wall at the university of iowa is located within the the rec facility and um i just went and tried it and got a forearm pump and i was like okay yeah that was cool i guess (laughs) but then like you know, there were the, the regulars that went there that you, I could tell, like, they, they kind of looked at it differently. They talked about it differently. Um, they were really fit. And I was like, that's weird. Like, there's obviously something I don't understand here. So I, I kind of just started going back more and try to understand it. And then I, I found so many parallels with, with dance and, and climbing. And I was like, man, the, you know, this, and then I went on my first outdoor climbing trip and that's where it all kind of clicked. I was like, Oh, this is, this isn't really about climbing. This is like, this is about all the benefits that you get from this pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's largely where I met all my friends and, um, where was that first trip? It was crazy. It was, it was like a world-class trip. It was to, uh, Jackson falls, Illinois. And then, um, HP 40, Alabama and Rocktown, Georgia. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We did, a, we did a little loop and, um, it was, uh, yeah. So it was life-changing. Um, so I did school, uh, for two years at Iowa and then I was mostly interested about climbing, um, and not, not getting a degree at that point. So I left to Colorado where I knew some Iowa alumni and lived with them, um, got mentorship from them and anyone that I could find that would mentor me out there. And I learned a lot. Um, at that point, I wasn't sure that I would come back to Iowa. I just kind of left indefinitely just wanting to know more about climbing. And then, you know, I learned enough and I think I, I got the peace of mind that I was looking for. Um, I felt like I learned how to learn about climbing, um, which I didn't know how to do that before. So uh, I felt like I had the confidence to move back to Iowa and still like uh, pursue climbing and keep in touch with people that I knew in the community. Um, But really like I'm very emotionally tied to Iowa and and part of why I'm here is like, I want to try to give back what I wish I had kind of, kind of growing up and, um, I mean, part of why I moved to Iowa is because I, I just couldn't find, I felt like I couldn't find the right mentors. Um, so I want to 
try to provide that mentorship to the best of my ability to, to the people here now. So I came back, you know, finished school and whatnot, and then um, was basically like a dirt bag for four years in Iowa. Um, and during COVID uh, lockdown, um, I, I like lost all my work. So I was feeling very uh, meaningless <laughs> in life. Like I was lack direction or whatever. And, um, but I was going outside to the parks and just, uh, hiking around and scoping out the rock and whatnot. And I got in touch with the Iowa climbers coalition being like, Hey, you know, is there anything I can, I can do to help out while I'm out here? That question actually turned into a, a two hour zoom call with, um, one of the old board members being like, yeah, you know, this is kind of like where the board is right now is, it was, um, it was a lot of people who were really motivated at one point. And then I think, you know, got busy with one thing or another, weren't climbing as much anymore. I found out like some of the people on the board had actually never even met each other. Oh, wow. So <laughs> it, and it was, it was kind of a point where it was like, it just needed fresh blood, I guess. I wasn't sure I was ready to like take anything on just by myself, but I was like, you know, like if I could, if I could get some guidance, like I would, I'd be happy to do like a, like apprenticeship presidency before like I, I take over if, if that's the direction that we want to go. Yeah. Adam came on at that point and then Alberto came on at that point and Alberto is based in Cedar Rapids. And then Nicole, uh, Nicole came on at that point too, but Nicole isn't on the board anymore. She moved to Arizona. So at that point, and then, yeah. And then the person that helped us kind of, that helped kind of onboard us, he eventually left too. So that's kind of how we got our start and we created some goals and we've, we've knocked them out. And now we're kind of at a point where we're trying to think big picture again and, it's a pretty exciting time for Iowa climbing. Yeah. Great. Well, it sounds like that yeah. apprenticeship just kind of naturally segued into your in your into your role now, huh? Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Where did you land in Colorado when you came out here? I was in Denver. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I was in Denver, um, just uh, hanging out with Iowa alumni. There's a lot of Iowa alumni out there. <laughs> it's pretty typical for Iowans to Iowa climbers when they graduate to. Get, move west it's yeah the, the natural direction of people yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure but it was a good time i mean i i love the people that i met out there i have a lot of friends out there that i still um keep in touch with but i i can't feel like i just don't feel the same way about climbing anywhere else <laughs> than i do in iowa it's like that's special I've noted i i will try way harder and i will do I will like risk injury for climbs <laughs> for climbs in Iowa, but like everywhere else I'm just like that, ah, like I'm super risk averse and like just don't really, doesn't mean much to me. Well, that's cool. I, I love, um, I love talking to folks like yourself and Adam will get to here in just a sec. Um, but just, you know, in talking to people in unsuspecting places like Iowa, right. It's, I think it, yeah. Iowa, of course, gets that natural rap for being flat and cornfields and blah, blah, blah. And right. you know, I've driven through it so many times and haven't really explored yeah. too much off. Uh, what is that? Is that 80 or 88? 80, yeah. 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 Um, 
so yeah, I just love uh, putting you guys like you in the spotlight to really highlight that there is climbing and good climbing at that and in unsuspecting right. areas. No, that's so true. Um, and, and like you said, like Iowa gets that rap, like mm-hmm. that's the story. Mm-hmm. That's the story that's been told. And I think a lot about, about the power of storytelling and, um, we are at a point where we're, we're really, um, changing that story, changing the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Telling a new one mm-hmm. and people are starting to understand. And that story, you know, the story that I tell is like, I'm not trying to say that there's just as much climbing and rock here as there is in Colorado or Utah or whatever. Um, but what I am saying is that there is a lifetime's worth of climbing here in Iowa, meaning there is so much climbing that I, I doubt like the majority of people in the world, like I think that, you know, top 1%, maybe even not, not even that because we're starting to find places that are so difficult. Um, We don't know if we're actually going to ever. Yeah. I, I I realized at that point that I will never be able to finish Mm -hmm. all the climbing in Iowa. Um, because for instance, like, um, well, this gets into something that we did a few years back, but there's this park called pictured rocks. It had at the time, 55 climbs in the park, 55 which like doesn't sound like a big number, right? But I came but back they're, and they're all really, really concentrated, though. I mean, yeah, they, they're all like right there, really accessible. Yeah. yeah, but I came back and you know did did this this like one of the hardest routes at Pictured Rocks, and I was like, wow, that was really exciting. Um, what's what? What should I do next? And then the idea was like, what happened? What what if we climbed all the ro- routes in Pictured Rocks in a day? like, wow, that would be crazy. So I, I got out a checklist. I was like, let's see how many routes I've done so far, <laughs> like over my over three years of climbing at that point. And I had figured out I had done 15. I had only done 15 of the 55 routes. I was like, how did, how did that happen? Like, how did I let myself do that? I was just like this creature of habit going back to the same routes over and over and thinking, gosh, I wish there was more climbing in Iowa. And at that point, I realized, I how could I even say that if I haven't done what's here? Right. And Not so that led, what was there. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So at that point, Adam and I like committed to this this challenge we called the Picture Docs Challenge, which um, was just uh, cumulatively um, as a team climbing all fifty five routes within park hours, which was four thirty a.m. to ten thirty p.m. Okay, and. We did that, and um, well, we, we we attempted it the first year. Attempted and, it, and got, got our asses handed to us, absolutely destroyed. <laughs> um, and then the next year, we went and did it. Yeah, um, awesome. But um, how long did it take? Yeah, when did you start? We started four thirty a.m. So uh, it was four thirty. Um, okay. Yeah, and it, October is kind of a, I mean, typical uh, sending month out here. Just the, right less rain temperatures are a little better but 4 30 we started it is like 26 degrees it was bad um and it was until the sun came up it was pretty cold yeah it was it was a long day um but it It was was, was something that i think was formative for both of us in terms of just the preparation that took for us to to get to that point the um the, the teamwork that took to get to that point 
Um, but also then just the ups and downs of the day itself. Um, and I, I was like, we were both getting on routes that we'd never climbed out there before. I and mean, we, we kind of viewed it as a process of, of like learning to, to love what we have and learning to enjoy the resources. Even like these routes that have you know typically been, um, you know, like less popular for whatever reason, you know, there's always some reason for a route to maybe be less popular. But we were finding, we, we had the approach of trying to find the things that we enjoyed about each route and um, enjoyed about the process of, of going through all of that and, and just realizing how, for us, it was a process of discovery of how much we, you know, how much this, this park actually has and can contain and like yeah. how much progress an individual can make just within this one park itself. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's, I mean, and that's not to say like this one park is all Iowa has. Like, no, that's not what we mean by like, it's probably the more popular park for yeah, sure. Like no doubt, right, but, right. Um, but it made us realize just, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I just think about like my time in, in Denver, I, I was, I was so stoked about Clear Creek Canyon. I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like such unique movement, like, like hold and style diversity and all this stuff. And it's right here. But then people would be like, let's go climbing in Utah. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> how, how, <laughs> I don't know. It, it became, it just started becoming really hard to justify because for me, like before, before I did um, move out to Colorado, I finished um, a certificate at the University of Iowa, which is like in between a minor and a major um, in environmental sustainability studies, because that's what I was interested in. In like the way I was kind of taught in Iowa, you know, I was taught about like leave no trace ethics and and I was I was taught to think about sustainability and my my environmental footprint. Um, but I wasn't, I just have always felt conflicted about the, that culture within the climbing community of like, you know, you, if you want to be a climber, like you got to make the, the, you got to pint or, uh, what is it? Like the trip out to Yosemite yeah, and man. to, to Petrero and to whatever across the world. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of tired of that that story, like you don't need to do that to be a climber. Like I, I think you can, you can stay in the same place. And if you're, if you're having fun and you're, you're doing what you want to do. And I mean, there's, there's the movement for everything else to, to think locally, you know, for food, for everything. You know, and, and but that, that hasn't really ever followed through into, into our outdoor recreation necessarily. I feel like, and I think that that's something that, I mean, Maybe by necessity, we have to think like that here in Iowa, but I think it's something that, that has a, a benefit for us that we, we do think locally in terms of like, yeah, we, like for sure we take trips and we go different places, but I think it's more about like finding and maximizing the potential of what we do actually have. I think that there's more than people realize that's here, um, a lot more than what people so, actually realize. So, here. yeah, for instance, yeah. like last, maybe just – Let's see. Last, uh, not not this this August, but August of uh, 2021, on Mountain Project, the, it said there were 273 uh, routes, Boulder problems, whatever. Um, 
a year later, there was over 500 was, was the tally. And there's tons of stuff that hasn't gone up. I would say right now, I think it's probably close to like 600 new routes or boulder problems, mostly boulder problems. Is that stuff that's been recently developed or is that just always been there, just not like properly recorded? Most of it is recent development. Some of it might have been climbed 30 years ago, but it never was something that was actually done in a way to develop and share it and make it accessible uh, and sustainable for uh, the broader climbing community. So I I would say like this push, some of it's brand new. Most, most, I would say like 90% of it is brand new. There's so much yeah, we haven't touched. More, yeah. We just found a place uh, west of of here, which it's uh, it was a, a but, crazy thought to think you could drive west in Iowa and find climbing. I mean, almost all the climbing is northeast, eastern third of Iowa. Yeah, the glaciers yeah. wiped out everything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we went out west, and there's this this um, place called Lake Red Rock, and there's just like sandstone boulders everywhere <laughs> it's like what well every guys' perspective i think what you took away from your from your big pictured rock challenge might translate well into your, the teamwork between the two of you whether it's on the rock or in the office professionally or you know around your kitchen table for the icc and what you're doing for the coalition and stuff yeah, and yeah. See yeah. A lot there's of a ton of other people ton of other people helping out in that development and having those conversations about conservation sustainability like um if for, for our our goal like, i think is not like we want to empower other people that are motivated and, and have the time and, and desire to go and like look at other places and have those conversations with land managers and dnr and and, and trying to find the, the sustainable approach to doing those sorts of things our goal has been to kind of empower the people that are psyched on that Mm -hmm. um, and have a little bit of time in the next, you know, the year time frame. Like, okay, so let's give them kind of the, the ability to go and do something uh, and not because we we aren't, we we definitely aren't, we don't have time to do everything ourselves and we aren't gatekeepers for any of that. So we, we are wanting to be a conduit through which change and improvement and evolution can can, can occur. Well, nothing, we can't, yeah, nothing we've done has really been possible yeah. <laughs> without, yeah, without anyone else. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm just, I'm just thankful that like, like our community seems just so open to the conversation. So there seems so willing to, to try to understand the, the issues that we're, we're facing, but also so I think we're, we're all coming to a point where we're realizing just how much more that we have and people are, people are becoming more. It's, it's like, we're grateful for what we have and, but that, but we're not necessarily settling as well. Um, So we think, we think it can, it can still improve, but we're grateful for what we have. And I think um, an important part of the community and kind of that, the, um, the culture that has been built and the mindset of not only us, but the, the, the local climbers is, is something that is maybe different because specifically because of, um, because we were in Iowa, I think when you are maybe out West, um, I, you know, we had this conversation with Lauren and Kyle from the access fund team with the, the build that when you're out West, like there are so many different places to go 
that you don't feel necessarily like this is my home crag. This is like I need to take care of of each of these spots because you don't maybe not feel um, that, that that sense of a, maybe a tie, an emotional tie to the land. Um, yeah, you don't know who it, put those steps in. Yeah. You don't know who put those bolts in. Yeah. You don't. Like just like, and I think that's just something there. because because we are at that size where we we have a a, a a lot of stuff, but it is to the point where um, that we know um, how valuable that is, and we know the work that's been done to get that. I think the community recognizes that that it's not so big that we don't feel a, 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 that sense of uh, commitment to. The, the locations I feel like we are in a very advantageous spot because of that. Like we're at the, a sweet spot in size. Like we have enough to get people excited and to do more, uh, but not so much that people don't feel uh, connected to it. Uh, so I, I actually look at that as a benefit because we, we do have a really, really strong community. Uh, our trail days, how many did we turn out this last year? It was so, over, over 70 people. That's came out on pictures. A beautiful, yeah. Yeah. On a beautiful Saturday. They came out and, and busted their tails and then trail builds, you know, the, the three week trail build yeah. for the access fund. Like people were out there every single day over the summer. Um, I mean, I, like we, you know, it's hard to get that many people to show up for anything. <laughs> like, even if it was like a fun co- competition or an event, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. let alone manual labor yeah. and, um, you know, my my personal opinion is like if you use the park, you are obligated. You <laughs> like if you use the park consistently, you are obligated to come out and and offer some kind of help. You know, if you um, at least I would I would hope yeah. people feel um, people feel that connection. Um, and I just like I think that's and they do. I mean, they, I feel so grateful for I also think the responsibility that they that they that they take into their own hands. Mm-hmm. I think that stems from like your perspective and like, like the, the leadership of like, I, mean, I think we both got into it because we had this sense of obligation of like wanting to, to, to give back to something that's been, meant so much to us. Yeah. And so I think that does have the effect of like being portrayed as not just like, not to say that we're so good, but like we, we've approached it from a, and a, a very sen- a very much so a, a sense of um, of commitment to like growth and, and giving back, and so I think that 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 does get people excited for that mentality. Yeah, um, that is something that I think we have done well. Yeah, in fostering and continuing to grow the um, the community from that perspective. Like I think it is very it'd be very easy to to kind of continue having done what was there, which was good. But I think like your, your excitement and passion for getting people involved like that is contagious. And I think that has something that has really improved. <laughs> I guess so we're trying to convey that like, this is home, right. And, and you take care of your home. So when I'm out at these parks, I, it's, it's hard for me not to kind of take what's happening there, especially in regards to, climbing like personally because i'm like well this is my home so um i i really want to do my best effort to to work with the community and all the land managers and all parties involved including other other user groups right um, not just climbers right not just climbers right of course um i think i i 
take even more responsibility um, for for climbers um, and their actions um, to a certain extent, you know. <laughs> but um, working with other other user groups and land managers is um, equally as important and understanding their perspective actually um, has helped us or given us more perspective in how we make decisions moving forward, making sure that we're respecting their, their place too, their places of recreation. Yeah. I mean, everyone, you guys got a lot in common, even though you might not be participating in the same activity, the same sport. I mean, you're all there for like the same reason to enjoy outside. That's a hundred percent right. Like our, our conversations with, you know, DNR, like they, they sense that, that sense, uh, I mean, they get from us the, the sense of um, wanting to take care of the land and not wanting to, to wanting to do things sustainably and, and wanting to enjoy it. And at the end of the day, their, their perspective has been, we want user groups to responsibly enjoy the land as well and the parks as well. And so, um, so I think, um, it has been like that, that has definitely not always been the case across the country, across the history of climbing. But I mean, I think we have a good set of DNR in the state and people in those positions that want to work with us. They're really receptive uh, to what we absolutely. have to say. Good. They, they come out and they, they do kind of yeah. hold us accountable. Yeah. And I mean, like they, they, they said like in our last meeting with them, they said that we're one of maybe the best user, user group yeah. that they've seen. Yeah out there which was we, we, we've heard that very, really like, reassuring. Yeah, very we were very proud of that um, yeah because we we've worked to, to foster that relationship and foster that trust um and so it really when we when we have these conversations with them because in the past i think like um local climbing organizations having talks with um dnr it it seemed like we had to I think the, the the feeling was that we had to try to kind of tiptoe around them or um, convince them of something. But really, when we talk with them now, um, it's more like a sense of camaraderie and, and teamwork and being like, OK, like, what's what's your perspective? What's our perspective? What are we working towards? What other user groups are we are we thinking about? And we compromise and come to a, I mean, to a, a it's, better it's, solution for everyone. And it's to the point that like certain like county DNR will go and like advocate for us to other county DNR. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so like we, they will do the job of, like spreading the ICCs, like spreading the word for us, which I think is, is, is huge. I mean, if, if you can have them talking behind the scenes and saying like, no, 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 like, you, got, you can trust these guys. That does so much more than anything that we're actually able to do. Right. And I think that's all just because of the relationships that have been built. Some of those over, decades i mean I, yeah some of yeah. i mean like this is those, those have started for a long time right and, yeah um, to say and it's not to say that like we're yeah. we're the ones like doing no, that no. because we're I taking think, advantage of it i think i think if not. we were we were on the icc in the 90s we probably would have done some tiptoeing <laughs> and been like pretty nervous around them <laughs> mm-hmm. um but so um it's just kind of at that point mm-hmm. in time where um they've, they've come around to it and then also there's a lot of like um newer park park you know or like land managers that um they have had some kind of exposure to climbing um in the past so they so they understand it a little bit more um so it's it's just a really interesting time for 
these these types of conversations mm-hmm. to be happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a, a a progression of sorts from the early days, and I hear the story a lot. Just like we, we were we were tiptoeing around it at some point, we were feeling a little apprehensive about talking with the land managers, putting a, putting ourselves on their radar, and and like, is this going to go well? Is this going to go bad? Because it can go either way. And yeah. just like as, as time goes on, you keep doing more and more better work and establishing better relationships. You're going to have those references. It's just like putting references down for a job application, right? It's like people vouch for you. Man, that's going to, it's going to be a game changer for you. And so now, now Absolutely. you guys are at where you're at because of, you know, because of these positive relationships that you've built over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how that momentum kind of continues to build over time, you know, past, past when we're in the ICC and, how that might um, kind of go into private land and stuff. Iowa, I think it's the second second mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. state with the highest amount of private land in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because of all the farmland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but, so, but not all of that farmland is actually farmable, right? Yeah, um, and, and so it's a matter, a matter of getting access to those river bluffs that that do have that does have you know mm-hmm. quality rock on it. Yeah. Um, so because if we can you know we want to we can get into public land and get it more accessible for everyone but if we can get private land that's still accessible for everyone i think that would be a really big win for for con uh conservation because then we can we can you know certainly protect those areas yeah as well. I mean, so. that's, that is generally the theme or the story of everything east of the Mississippi. I mean, you guys are technically west of the Mississippi just by a little yeah. bit, but you know, if you're talking to a lot of folks from Tennessee and, uh, and the Carolinas and upper East coast and stuff, I mean, you're dealing with a lot of private land that takes a lot of different yeah. players involved to get those climbing areas opened and permanently secured between many different parties. So yeah, if you need any, any kind of references, as far as that goes, you know, there's plenty of content and people out there to contact and oh, yeah. stuff. It's, yeah. It's, it's a process for sure. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I, I got the impression that the coalition has been around for quite a while. Um, you know, d- decades, even maybe back into the nineties. Yeah, actually the Axis, uh, I was going to say the access funds, uh, was telling us that, um, working with the Iowa climbers coalition was one of the first projects they ever did. Really? At, like getting the, the climbing management plan at mm-hmm. pictured rocks was one of the first projects mm-hmm. that the access fund worked on. That's a good little trivia question. <laughs> when did the access fund start? 1991. 91. Yeah. So, I mean, I think they've been, ICC has been active since the early 90s. Yep. I think it was officially incorporated in the 2000s, but like they've had a group that's been uh, like leading the charge uh, since the 90s. I mean, I would say there's, I mean, we have people that have been active like in leading climbing in that area, going back a lot longer than that. But I think the ICC is, is the 90s as things started to get more official and as like the bolting revolution happened i think that it needed someone kind of in, in charge of the of that area and so that's where the icc was got it kind of originated from. got it got it yeah very interesting i didn't you know again you would never think that like early project for in climbing with the access fund was in iowa out of all places so yeah nice, right. nice little uh tidbit and yeah trivia question there <laughs> um, <laughs> and i wanted you know i wanted to take picture rocks the big trail project you guys did this year as a case study or a good example of how trail work 
it's done. But, you know, I don't want to overlook anything that's happened over the last couple of decades um, through the 90s and stuff. And is, are there any other accomplishments that the organization has had that is worth uh, talking about or you guys want to take a minute to highlight? Yeah, I mean, securing pictured rocks is yeah. huge. Um, it's it's um, it's like a community gathering place, right? Mm-hmm. That's why it's so popular. There's like something for everyone there. There's and then like the it has all the the amenities, like the the trails and the um, the bathrooms yeah. and the parking lot. And so mm-hmm. it's just a great place for everyone to meet. Um, and they did a good job of working with the land managers and. Um, to, to help them understand kind of um, why we were there and the benefits each party could, could get from, from climbers being there. I think that, yeah, it's probably the, I mean, everything we're doing has been right, right now has been, is a result of the trust and relationship that has been built over the last two decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any, any trail work that we're able to do, we can talk to the, the, um, to the, the, our county contact and he's like, yeah, sounds good. Or, you know, let's have a meeting and sit down and talk about this. And that's where this big trail project originated from is that the, the relationship we had that we were walked into kind of already having established and then kind of continued to foster. Right. So, I mean, and they I, did that with um, other counties mm-hmm. as well too. So I would say pictured rocks for sure is securing that, maintaining that, um, uh, over the course of the, you know, the life of the park and the, the climbing that has been there, I think is by far and away the biggest thing that has been done for the state in terms of, of, of climbing here. Um, and that, I guess that that's why we're able to go to other parks and, um, why we're able to have these big trail projects is because of that, um, so I don't know if there's been other projects that have been definitely nothing as big as the scale as what we did this summer or we helped facilitate the summer. Um, but that's not to say that like, um, I mean, we wouldn't be able to do that without what was yeah. having done. The momentum, is, the momentum yeah, is yeah. just building. I guess they, they established the ICC too, right? <laughs> like they, they, they incorporated the yeah. Iowa Climbers yeah. Coalition, like made it an official organization um, and did all the groundwork for that. So, yeah, that's one of my questions. Is like, what what prompted the formation of the ICC? Was it was it trying to yeah secure picture rocks? Is you know the formation yeah, of different yeah. organizations just kind of depends on what's going on in their community. Some just form just because they need some representation. Others like need to form because yeah. they had a place closed or they need you know there's neglected uh, neglected resources that need to be taken care of. So it was really pictured rocks was the impetus for for the formation of the ICC yeah. from, from what yeah. we understand and what we've been told yeah. because there was, there was bolting being done at pictured rocks without land managers permission. And they just didn't know what was going on. Right. It's not like, it's not like they knew exactly what was happening and, and they're there. Everyone was being transparent with each other and they still didn't want it. Yeah. It's just that people fear the unknown and they just didn't know what was going on. So they wanted it to stop. And then I think maybe it was still going on, and so they were like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna chop all these bolts." And then we were like, "We, that, we can change." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where like ICC Access Fund, but all it came together to secure that in the nineties. Um, now we have like a climbing management plan. We have like an application process for for route development. 
All right. Well, before we jump into the major trail stewardship project that happened this summer, I'd like to describe Picture Rocks because this appears to be the crown jewel of climbing in Iowa. And from what I can gather from pictures and stuff, it looks like a like a mini wild iris or something from Landers. Like, yeah, <laughs> kind of like bulgy with, with good pockets and stuff. And and yeah, that's the kind of climbing it looks like. Yeah. Tell me, tell me everything there's to know about Picture Rocks. Bulgy um, pocket pulling limestone. Um, I mean, a lot of the, the harder stuff tends to be by definition steeper, but not, not necessarily. Um, it, it's, I mean, what, what, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, we compare it to uh Frankenura a like lot. A, a miniature version of that. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, I don't know. The, no. the limestone is like, you know, steep mm-hmm. and, and, and very pocketed. Mm-hmm. So it's like the hard stuff usually becomes like two finger pockets and yeah. Yeah. kind of weird handholds and things like that. Sure. And you're it's on, on sighting is very difficult in Iowa because uh-huh. it's also, it's featured. very featured, mm-hmm. but you can't tell like what's, what's good. how deep it is, yeah. how in cut <laughs> it is. Like it's, you know, like there's pockets everywhere, but you don't know, like, yeah. like a pocket is just a hole in the wall. Like you don't know if it's going to be a sloper or a, a, a crimp edge, in a pocket yeah. or like a undercling or, which which way that that pocket kind of you know can you grab it from any direction so i guess uh you know it i would say it's like the crown jewel in terms of like a a, Most a people, gathering yeah, place yeah. and like but um there's other places that are yeah. Really, I mean, I, I would say re- very special for different reasons mm-hmm. i mean most people if they're traveling out of state to Iowa climbing, I would say the access is so the access is so is it, it just makes sense to come to picture. I think that that's going to change over the next five to ten years as other places get more um, notoriety and more mm-hmm. assisting uh, and more access uh, easily to them. Yeah, um, but it, it, I mean, it for sure is like the most concentrated, easy to access most diverse set of, of routes that we have yeah. is, is that picture box. We have, so something I've been thinking a lot about lately is like how um, not every, not every place can serve the same purpose. Right. As you know, as much as it'd be, it'd be great to think that like every park could be picture rocks. We could have a parking lot there and bathrooms and wide trails and um, like a, a gazebo and (laughs) boat access boat ramp you know like um not every place can serve the same purpose and we have other climbing areas um but it's like a sand parking lot and bushwhacking and um, a long hike in you know we we are constantly like having conversations about well, what, you know, what's the future of this area? What kind of, what kind of development should it see? What kind of development should it not see? What would happen if we saw an influx of people here? Um, and so we kind of think about like, okay, like picture rocks, great place for people to come. We should promote this place, um, educate people here on conservation aspects and trail building and, and whatnot. But then we think about our other places like, Ozark wildlife area, um, Indian bluffs. It's like, okay, like, um, lots of hunters go here. The parking lots aren't very big. You know, there are no, there are no trails. Not only are there no trails, but like, uh, like at Indian bluffs, they don't even want trails there. 
Um, so it's like, we, we can't trail build, you know? And, um, but then we are working uh, with uh, the DNR and land managers at this park called Backbone. Backbone has the, the parking, the bathrooms, the um, infrastructure, the infrastructure yeah. it needs to carry um, an influx of climbers. Exactly. Yeah. So working on Backbone um, to try to get access there could be like another place where we could be like, hey, everyone, like this is this is another great community gathering area. Um, so currently Picture Rocks serves as that. But like Adam was saying, like over the next decade, we'll probably see a lot of that changing and other areas becoming more popular. That's a good thing. Spread, spread, spread the love, spread it out a bit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We, you know, we, we do our best to try to serve different geographic regions, given most of the climbing is concent- concentrated in the Northeast corner. Where's backbone in comparison to pictured rocks? It's West, um, North. but, but, but uh, Northwest, Northwest, but it, it's still that Northeast corner of the state in general. Um, but it would be our first venture into state parks um mm. we've only ever had access to county parks well yeah, yeah i mean like yeah it's, no, it's yeah. interesting because like yeah in terms of new bolting or new, right. yeah, new development they've had climbing there going back i mean how it goes back to like they, 40 they've had top roping allowed at backbone for a long time off trees off the of trees but they won't allow bolts and so therefore like you're seeing the natural progression of trees working back from the cliff edge yeah they're and, like receding yeah. and it's like but but they don't they, they don't necessarily know to look for that and know that that's an issue yeah um so we were telling them like you know this is causing a lot of soil erosion at the top of the cliffs like people going up there it's dangerous for them to you know like they're anchoring off of these cedar trees that are like sometimes not on the edge. It's not what you want to be. (laughs) And and so we told them that and they actually did go up there and they said, yeah, we found some soil that like, um, I forget what the type of soil was that they said. Um, But um, it's like a more rare type of soil that needed to be preserved that was on near the cliff edge. And so they acknowledged that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so, so it, it, because it's a state park, I think changes, at least in Iowa, are slower mm. um, and have to go and go through the state house. Um, the, and so things get are moving slow there, but it is um, something that in terms of gaining access to actually bolting routes that have, have been there for, I mean, like I said, climbing goes back there many, many decades. Um, it's all either been trad or top rope, though. Yeah. No, no actual lead uh, bolted climbs. I think if we could do that, it would it would radically change the park's use, um, user profiles that are coming there. Um, and I think it'd make it safer, more sustainable, actually, than having people continually going up top and anchoring off of things that are is causing erosion. And um, so I think there's it, it, from like a, the vantage point of like climbing the park safety. Um, it's, it's one of those wins that like, we're hoping that every, I think everyone's on the same page and moving in the same direction. And I think it does actually cause a shift in um, climbing in Iowa. I think, you know, in, in the five to 10 year span, it, it, you, you start to see a climbers going more than just a couple places for lead climbing. They are going to start having more options. Right. And uh, something I wanted to, add on to that was that the interesting thing about pictured rocks is that it's called a county park mm-hmm. but it's actually owned by the state which is yeah 
So it's owned by the state and they said, here, Jones County, like manage, manage this park for us, okay. but, but we own it. Got it. And so it's interesting because it's like, okay, we are technically yeah. route developing right. on state land. And so, which is like, just, just crazy because it's, it's almost like, it's almost perfect. Like it's the perfect park to, <laughs> to test test these concepts out and, you know, show that we were responsible. And then, um, it, it really has helped in the transition to trying to, um, get into parks that are known to be state land. Um, and, and, you know, once we get into one state park, I think that conversation will then carry over, of course, into other state parks and because there's a, a, a foundation set for it already. Um, so, um, we're working right now to like be acknowledged as an official user group in Iowa. Well, that was one of my questions for this trail project of pictured rocks was, uh, what was the process to gain approval to do the work? And I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> so I can, I know we probably have a whole separate episode just on that question, but you know, you're working yeah. with a county, yeah. a county manager, a state landowner, you know, but before I get into that, let's, uh, let's identify like what the need was for this, for this major project. Cause I saw the videos around that you did of like the tons <laughs> and tons of st- uh, you know, stone that you had there. So let's start from the top. Like what was, what was going on to, to identify this need for this trail project? So this was a, a huge um, bowl basically. And some of the, I would say the most popular climb or, yeah, I think it's it is, the most iconic. Like, yeah. It's the most iconic climb, definitely up there as far as most popular climbs in Iowa. But it's called Flash, yeah. and it, the, it's situated like right at the, the the kind of entrance or exit of this big bowl. Um, and there's climbs kind of all throughout the bowl, but it has this kind of. It's right there at the the entrance of that. I'm on a mountain project right now. It looks really cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Legend has it that Chris Sharma came there. <laughs> And was free soloing it for a for a photo shoot, I guess, because uh, really. he was in Chicago and and Pictured Rocks is actually the closest sport climbing to Chicago. Totally. So we see a ton of people from Illinois yeah. in that parking yeah. lot. Since I started climbing in 2013, even it, it had been brought to my attention even at that point that like okay, so I mean this is an issue like this we, we did <laughs> this needs to be solved I was we, like we did trail okay. work on it back in 2010 with an ICC group um, but it was it was something that was um, even back in 2010 and and the work that was done prior to it was not um, about stabilizing the hillside and and kind of preventing further erosion it was about uh, helping make it maybe a little more navigable uh, for climbers that were trying to get up and into this bowl. Cause it's on a, a pretty steep hillside and you kind of have to go up either side of the bowl. And um, so I think there's like safety issues. If, it, if it's anywhere remotely damp, it's getting up there is kind of a, a well, let's hope I don't end up sliding on my belly all the way down this. Um, and so, so anyone that has gone up there consistently has, has slipped, certainly yeah. slipped um, anyone. And so like the, pre- the previous work that was done was like, I think they, they recognized the need, but it was never um, enough momentum to do more than, okay, let's make, make it a little bit more accessible. But even that is something that I, the stones that I put in, in 2010 are completely gone. We're completely gone, you know, uh, 
five years, seven years, eight years later, because nothing, the entropy of that hill is just to go down. Mm-hmm. And over time, it, it got worse. The vegetation like that was helping stabilize it continued to erode. And so there's less of that holding it in place. It was something that just kind of reached a point where it wasn't unsafe. It wasn't inaccessible, but action had to be taken, you know, in, in the near term to make, to ensure that we did have access. It was safe in the, in the, you know, maybe not necessarily for us right now, but in that future generation, making sure that um, this is something that does, isn't going to go away, that it continues to stay uh, safe and accessible and also just not um, as that hillside continues to erode, it's going to have other negative consequences besides safety and, and access. And so I think it was that, that, that's really maybe the impetus for where we were coming from. Got it. Yeah. I mean, for, for me at some point, like, you know, the more I got into climbing, the more I kind of started thinking about conservation, I, I, I was embarrassed <laughs> about the comic gallery. I was like, okay, like, when are we going to fix this thing already? Like, I don't know. I mean, we, we've acknowledged that it's a problem and climbers are still going up there. So when but, we, but, but for a long time, it's always been too big for like any one group to do it. Like, we just I, didn't I, know I, how. I mean, we, had we no, don't have the skills or the resources to make it happen. Um, DNR, I mean, and, and the county and the park, they, they don't necessarily um, – have the motivation or the, the, the need or the, the desire to as much as us to do that. I think they wanted to see it taken care of, but they, it's not on the top of their list right. short of us like getting that momentum going. So it was something that I think historically was just no one group was ever, ever able to tackle it on their own. Yeah. And so that's been, why we had to bring in uh, multiple groups. Yeah. I mean, I think the access <laughs> it was absolutely like without access when it would never have happened. No way. I mean, no and, way. but with also without county involvement, it never would have happened. Right. And without all our, the our, without all the volunteers, it never would have happened. I mean, it was, it was truly a group effort. Yeah. Um, Unless it, it, we had a ton more money. Yeah. A ton more money. Yeah, we could, <laughs> could have gotten away with any less, uh, less volunteer yeah. help with loads of more money. <laughs> I mean, I think it's something that like, you know, without everyone bringing something to the table and being invested in it, financially or time-wise or you know it, it, it would not have happened um, yeah. so everyone was committed kind of got everyone on the same page um i mean the park and, and the and the conservationists that, that we were working with uh, they they stuck their neck out at times for us um and for, for this project to make Definitely. it happen um it's like i can I think of multiple times when it wouldn't have happened like just period it would not have happened without them saying, no, we're doing this, let's go. Um, yeah. And so it's, it, it, I think. So, yeah, the, the need was obvious. Soil just constantly eroding, people slipping, like staging areas getting shorter for these clients. So <clears throat> when we came on the board, we made it top priority we're we had like three goals i think made this one top priority we're like we need to fix we need to fix that damn hill (laughs) it's like like weren't really concerned about route development we did do route development but 
we're very conservative with our route development and we justify everything that we bolt. And so all we did was like, okay, like picture rocks needs more beginner climbs. So we put in only beginner climbs and then went from there. Then we, you know, got in touch with the access fund. We are like, here's this overwhelming project that we're not really sure where to start. They helped us um, kind of guide us. And, and then we got in touch with, the county and all of us, uh, all of us kind of had uh, had a conversation together to get the ball rolling. Um, Ty Ty Tyler came into Man. town, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, had the the privilege of showing him around Iowa, and uh, we bushwhacked through some gnarly stuff, <laughs> <laughs> For no real reason other <laughs> other than the show around a bit um because it was like middle of august <laughs> it's just like metals around drone, yeah. <laughs> but we, we did look at the comic gallery that was one of the main things that he was there to do and his his confidence he, you know we walked up that trail and he looked around and he's like we, we can fix this like we're gonna fix this yeah. and i was like okay okay <laughs> like sweet like i don't know if, if, if you think we can fix it and uh so I, because I, I had we had no idea where to start. All the trail no. building that we have done has just been with we've we've sourced everything from the park. So we've sourced like dead cedar. It's all it's um, it's like uh, Appalachian style trail building. Okay, and so it's yeah cedar and you know locking locking that in, in in certain ways and kind of building steps and and in that style. But it's it's using the resources that we have at hand, and so right. we, and that's not something that is. I mean, we're wanting this fix to be to outlast us. us right. I mean, period. Not just like us as climbers. We want it to outlast us. Period. Um, and I asked Tyler. I remember because I was worried. I was like, "Man, we're going to commit to this huge project. It's going to cost a ton of money. We're going to ask everyone for help." I'm like, "Ty, like, how long is this trail going to last?" And he he just kind of shrugs and he's like how long does rock last? <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay, cool. Like, Perfect. That's yeah. what I need yeah. to hear. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. I've always wondered like, how do you like envision a new sustainable trail? What that needs to look like, like being like a novice at trail building. It's like, this seems so overwhelming. Like where's, where's the alignment going to go? What material are we going to need? And like, how does that really come to fruition? All right, that's all stuff that the state wanted to know. Like, what's what's the plan? What's where yep. you know what material are you going to be using? Where are you going to source it? And, and Ty was able to bring a lot of that in in terms of the expertise of like, this is what we're going to do. This is the style it'll be in. This is how long it'll last. And he had, he just had that confidence of having been in those projects before. Yeah, and that uh, assuaged a lot of the fears of or not fears but like concerns and like legitimate, legitimate concerns, concerns yeah. from from the, the state and county right um to make it so that it's not just a bunch of you know crazy climbers going out there and throwing some rock into the, the ground and hoping it works like it's actual professionals that know what they're right. doing uh, and, and have done this before and and you know ty that i think that conference from ty came from just his trust in the conservation teams like mm-hmm. lauren and kyle like we we're blessed to have you can't the most experienced for, yeah. you conservation can't team on <laughs> a better duo. I mean, yeah. So. so that was just so much fun working with them. Um, and the, it definitely, you know, based off of their experience, it turned out a little bit different than I, even how I initially um, was thinking it might look like, but um, they, they, they 
did a really good job of considering like, okay, you know, where's the soil going? Where are the climbers going? Where's the staging area for the climbers? And uh, being very realistic about like our resources and our timeline. But um, again, like our volunteers, like they, they said, Kyle and Lauren said that this was the only project they worked on that where they never went a single day without a volunteer. Uh, so yeah. just goes to show like how uh, yeah, we put the call out and people, people answered it. People stepped up. Well, yeah, that's, that's a great, I had a question about that. Like how did you communicate with the local, local community to get this work done and fundraise for it? It was a bit scrappy. We, 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 I mean, scrappy. And, and we, um, we basically put it out so, so broadly and so, so much in their face that people couldn't, people couldn't ignore it. And, and, well, I, yeah. and I think, I mean, at some point though, we, like we weren't, we weren't sure. We didn't quite have the go ahead from the, <laughs> yeah. we didn't quite have the go ahead from the state. And uh, so we were waiting to like, do we advertise this? Do we market like that? We need volunteers. Yeah, it's a and tricky it was like, one. Yeah. It was only like weeks beforehand. And, but we, and we, we, we like, built enough, like, like, Hey, this is happening like from word of mouth. And then finally we, we put out the call. <laughs> just like help, yeah. <laughs> help us. <laughs> And people responded like overwhelming response. Yeah. Um, Every weekend we had about like 30 people yeah, 20 out. To 30 people on, yeah. on, on hot days. I mean, on like Saturdays and like Midwest days. 105 heat indexes. And we had 20 to 30 people out there moving, yeah. you know, 100, you know, several hundred pound rocks. And did. Did uh, Colin Lauren ever tell you about how we moved the, the, the innovations? That how we moved here? rocks up the up the no. the trail? I had them on the show, geez, two years ago or something. Probably before, yeah, well before this project. So I haven't talked to him since then. Yeah. So uh, th- th- this is an innovative, uh, like only Iowa climbers have. So there. yeah, it was like it was a weekday, and um, <clears throat> it was. Uh, it's just Kyle and Lauren and then me, Jamie and Patrick out there. And, um, usually when we put stone, these massive stones in these rock nets, we have like, you know, six people on, on, carrying it up the, the trails and we like lift and bump it up to the next step, lift and bump right. it up to the next step. Yep. And there were three of us. And, uh, I remember like one of the early trade day, trail days, they had these uh, these backpacks that they would throw like smaller rocks in like this and put it on their back and just like hike up. And these these backpacks had like a, a flat um, padded. Uh, what do you call it? Like the skeleton, yeah. the skeleton they, for the back that goes against the, your back. The frame, like, a, like an external the frame. frame yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. The frame. It had a flat frame, and I was thinking, I was like, what if we like, what if we put a rock on our our back? And like, and then like, you know, the other people uh, help stabilize it, stabilize it on either side. So keep in mind, this is like a Rod is thinking like <laughs> three hundred pound rock. Yeah, uh, not <laughs> like yeah. not your forty pound. He's putting like three hundred pound rock. And uh, <clears throat> and Kyle was like, absolutely not. Don't do that. You guys are crazy. Like someone's gonna get hurt. And I was like, okay, like I totally understand why they wouldn't advocate for this. <laughs> but <clears throat> I was just too curious. And so I like, went down the trail and I was like, like, Jamie Patrick, come put this, come put this rock on my back. <laughs> and so like I got on the ground in like a sphinx position 
with the backpack on and they put it on my back kind of like you know distributed evenly on my back and and i was like okay like the full weight is on my back right and they're like yeah i was like okay cool so i like and i just started crawling up the and they're kind of like helping hold and support on the rock nets on the yeah, sides. So they're, they're helping like lift on the, the sides. And I'm just crawling up and I get it. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was easy. Like <laughs> kind of, kind of in shock. I was like, that was, that was weirdly simple. So then we went down and found a slightly bigger rock and I went up the whole set of <laughs> stairs and I was like, yo, that's definitely the way. And then Kyle's just shaking his head. Kyle's like, I wasn't yeah. sure if he was watching this whole thing. If you were like sneaking this, yeah, I, I, I think he <laughs> walked he just, away at some point. He's just yeah. like, he couldn't, you know, I mean, I think he started becoming curious. Yeah. Maybe too. And then Jamie, who's like, <clears throat> he has like a weightlifting background, um, like an Olympic weightlifting background. He's like known as like the hunk of Iowa climbing. He'll <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you saying that. Yeah. <laughs> um, he he put a rock on his back and started carrying it up and then he was convinced and we were like okay it's let's go and then we carried like 16 stones up you know 16 like 300 pound stones up in that one day wow. and that this is it's for like when you have fewer people out there as well and you have right you know you can't have a team of necessarily like six lifting it each well, step of the way the, the it's next still, day, yeah. the next day, we, it was a weekend yeah. and we taught this method to some people and yeah. what ended up happening was like, we were building the, um, retaining wall. the retaining wall. And so we just needed like tons of stone. I think kind of Lauren said it might be the biggest retaining wall they've ever built actually. Yeah. And, um, and <clears throat> yeah, we, what ended up happening was like, we thought getting stone up there was going to be the, the, limiting factor. the limiting factor, but it ended up being just like how fast you could get stones in the wall. We got up 40 stones in one day, people just crawling these stones <laughs> up the yeah. set of stairs. It sounds ridiculous to say, like and it we put them on our back yeah. and we crawled up the, the stairs. And Jamie, I mean, it got competitive at some point. Jamie was doing like rocks that were probably 400 pounds on his back carrying wow. off the steps. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was it was crazy how many rocks we got up. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are on the cutting edge of innovation here. You need to like make some like YouTube <laughs> instructional video and put it out there for trail builders. Like yeah. it's 2023 trail <laughs> building here, folks. But it worked really well yeah. for us. Good. Awesome. So what was that approval process like with uh, with the county and the state? Was that a lot of hoops to jump through? How did that work out for you? Um, yeah, the, the county the county basically gave their go ahead, but they you had to have. Um, like, we were working with the state a lot yeah, because it's state owned land, yeah, and so you have, because it's state owned land, you have to have like a archaeological survey. Yep, um, and that was done, but then the state uh it's not a conservation office but like the uh, state historic preservation yeah, state, office yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we call um, them like uh Shippo. they call them Shippo. yeah um they they said they took the archaeological survey and basically said there might be stuff that's like nearby and so to, to halt all building um and in reality like what we're where we were going to build was uh 
going to stabilize and prevent erosion of the place they're concerned about. And the, the luckily the county uh, and, and other state people that we were working with recognized like this actually will be a good thing because it prevents erosion of kind of a cave that that's nearby. Okay. And so like long-term, like if we didn't do anything, regardless of climber access, like that whole hillside will erode and it will, but you know, there is the potential of things, you know, from an archaeological standpoint that might be relevant for, um, you know, the, the state's history, that's all going to erode over time as well. So they said, this is going to stabilize the hillside and prevent that erosion. They said that the SHPO office be damned, basically. And, and like, you know, we don't have the power to say that, but the, the county and state officers basically said, this is just a recommendation from them. We're going to proceed as is. We're at the spot where we know this is better for the park for conservation, uh, for safety, they said, you, you have our, our go ahead. But that process of going through that, there was a lot of ups and downs. We saw the email from Shippo and we're like, this is it. We're done now. Yeah. Like we were like, like, and they sent that to us like a, I don't know, like a month before. Less. I mean, it was, it was month, like, that's month why we hadn't like, marketed anything to say like we need help because. And, and luckily the, the, what they had to say. We, we had such commitment from the, from the state and county people that we were working with that they said, proceed just yeah. uh, let, let's go um so the yeah and that we the state <clears throat> had uh but not the state the the county agreed to purchase all the the stone material yeah, up to yeah. ten thousand dollars uh which was for the which project is huge. which is yeah how much was that, that was, was that like a third of it or a quarter of it or it actually was that's half of it. Well, I mean, I would say that was ninety percent. Ninety percent. Oh, yeah. well, okay. We, or, we we've ordered more rock since. But we only ordered but, like the small stuff, like any structural stuff. Yeah, uh, it, it covered like you know, the big big rock. All the nice uh, outcropping stone. Yeah. So for anything for steps and um, I shouldn't say anything, but like all the all the really nice big stone um, was covered by that, and we we purchased a little bit and after that um, to kind of help continue stabilizing the hillside beneath the structures. Um, but this, the, the buy-in from them to put 10,000 on the table to buy materials, I think was, we were shocked that they were that committed to it as well. That's amazing. Um, knowing that, that yeah, it, it honestly is. And that's what I mean. Like it wouldn't have happened without any one group mm-hmm. committed to it. Cause I don't I mean, we raised a lot of money grassroots style and we obviously got some, some assistance from the access fund, yeah, but, we got but, the the access fund uh, conservation grant, grant yeah. 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 that but, was extremely. But helpful. we wouldn't be able to raise enough <clears throat> money to have purchased that stone no outright, right. and it just wouldn't have happened. Right. Um, and so, I, I still go back to thinking like, how is this? If, if we had to recreate this or tell somebody else how to do this, it comes down to like getting everybody relationships. And, yeah, getting those relationships and getting everybody invested like not just financially invested, but like getting everyone invested in the project itself. Like this is something that is important. And then once you get, I feel like you get that, that buy-in uh, from everybody and you have those relationships, then you, you start having people go to bat for the project when, when problems do arise, because something will come up. I feel like in any sort of project, you're going to have something, some sort of hurdle that arises and the access fund helps us navigate those. And the County helps us navigate those. And, and we were able to bring our, you know, uh, different skill sets to the table and different, you know, the people to the table to help build it. I, I would say getting buy-in early is probably the biggest thing. If you can get people like excited about it and committed to it, it helps, 
the other <clears throat> everything yeah. else that comes down the road yeah yeah i feel like if there was any advice it'd just be to to really take your time to try to understand other parties perspectives because yeah because if you don't do that then they're not they're definitely not going to listen mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. right right it's like you know how can we help how can we help you out you know how, you know we're here for our thing but how can we help you as well and i think if you approach right. it from that from that perspective the, i think they'll be more right um yeah open to helping you out and you know i, I hear that a lot just uh it's about building relationships and and meeting people where they're at and you know it might sound i don't know cliche or, or in a way but it's, I've been told that time and time again. So there's obviously got to be something to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why it's a cliche. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there anything you guys would do differently or any lessons learned now that the, now that it's all done? I mean, it's a great I, question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just thought of that. So I'm kind of throwing, throwing a curveball at you. I just felt so grateful at the yeah, end so of it, it all. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. the lesson I learned is, is um, not to come back to the, to the relationship, but, the, but like the community, um, you can, in fact, we can, we were able to do so much more than we ever anticipated because other people, our community stepped up. And I think trusting in that community, building that community can go for, can, can make something go further than you ever anticipated. Yeah. Um, and, and we were consistently blown away. Uh, I, I think that anything you can do to foster that, that the, the climbing community in the area, uh, little things, big things to bring people together and to get to know people and, and get them to be tied to the, to the land and, and the resources. I think that, that that's to me is like, even though we knew the importance that we've seen that before in other trail days, but just having that shown to us for, you know, every day for three weeks straight, I think just blew us away that and still continues to teach us that <clears throat> we are better together and building this group together. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't necessarily a lesson. It was just something that was so in our face. I feel like I feel like the lesson is that culture matters. Yeah. Like the the culture that that uh, you try to. I mean, I I personally believe that culture is a design. Um, it's not something that just passively happens. Mm-hmm. And I think focusing on the culture that you're creating matters a lot in in how the community um, uh, grows over time. Because I think a lot of people like believe in, believe in, you know, setting more rules and boundaries and things like that. And they fear educating, like the effectiveness of educating the public. But so far in my experience, I think it's, you know, educating people and creating that culture of stewardship and empowering other people to promote stewardship and keep that momentum going because, you know, we're only two voices, right? So we, we can't, we can't promote that without there being a culture of it. And, um, I, I think if you can, if you can do it early and we're at the point where the, you know, we're, we're part of the, the growth of the Iowa climbing community and the momentum. And so um, I can't speak for all communities, but for us, it's shown to, to be quite effective. 
Man, I would love to just finish finish this conversation right there. That's like <laughs> that's the punchline. Um, well, I yeah. think I think the culture you guys have created speaks for itself. With dozens of volunteers turning out for this project day after day for weeks, you know, for a few weeks straight, and and I read uh, like a, a reflection from from Lauren and Kyle on working with you guys, and they were. I think just as blown away working with your community as you were with them and their trailblazing experience and knowledge. And I think that also speaks to the culture you've all created in Iowa. It's, it's unique. It's, it's special. And I, you know, climbing is kind of just what you make of it. And you guys are just doing a spectacular, exactly. spectacular job. I'm really proud to have you guys. It, be part it, of this it community. doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't pass us by that. It is special that like something that we, what we have right now, like we, we are so grateful and so, you know, uh, you know, it really moves us to see that. So it's like, I quite literally, like we are like, it, it's something that we, we, we recognize as special and we are very grateful for that. hundred um, percent. Like it's something that, I mean, we, we work to build it, but it's like, until you see people come and give of themselves, um, like you don't know, you know, if you're, if it's gonna, you know, if what you're doing is effective <clears throat> right. and, and, and um, it's reassuring seeing other people having conversations that show that they care. Yeah. Because if, if they're having those conversations, then you know, you know that that the the right story is being is being spread. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in. I, I really hope you all enjoy this show as much as I enjoy making it. It's a lot of fun putting this together each month for you all to tune in and listen to. So thanks so much for listening. Before you depart, I want to run a few things by you. I started the show to bolster the efforts that these advocates do year after year, and of course, to support the mission of Access Fund. So I'd like to ask you to either donate or better yet, become a member of Access Fund. Your support and membership goes a long way to help them with their mission of conserving, stewarding, and advocating for climbing. There are varying levels that you can that you can become a member at, but you can get started for as low as 20 bucks a year, and after that, you can reap all kinds of awesome benefits with first getting a free t-shirt and getting amazing discounts on some of the best climbing products out there. It's all listed on Access Fund's website, accessfund.org, so check it out. If you're a rock climber, please consider becoming a member of Access Fund. Second, if you want to do me a huge solid, please subscribe to the show and leave a glowing review and comment on Apple Podcasts. After that, jump on those social media channels and share it with your friends. It goes a long, long way, and I'd greatly appreciate if you help me out with that one. So thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. And I'll catch you all next time.